Live from Queensland, Australia, it's... Speak away, bruv. A show where two brothers just shoot, shoot the, the breeze. breeze. My name's Bailey. And my name's Cooper. So let's speak away, y'all. Woohoo. Yeehaw. Good evening, Mr. Wick. It is a pleasure to have you back with us. And it's a pleasure to have you, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Speak Away, bruv. Yeehaw! And also I have a question. Who were you trying to do there? It was kind of... It started... My intention was to do Winston, but it kind of became the sommelier. It kind of was a mix between Winston and Sharon. I don't think it was Sharon at all. Like, it wasn't... But it's a, it was a mixture of both, mm. almost. I disagree, but that's a matter of personal preference. Um, as you might be able to guess from already, we've leaped into a John Wick discussion and it's probably in the episode title. We today are going to be talking about John Wick to celebrate the release of John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah! Cooper's very excited. Um, we saw the film uh, in the middle of last week Early. at an advanced screening, yes. Um, and we'll get into our thoughts on that in a moment. But basically this whole episode, we're going to be talking about our thoughts on the series. We're going to go into a bit of history of how John Wick came to be. We're going to talk about our favorite things from the series because we are big, big, big fans of this one. Um, I've been a fan for, oh goodness, probably about five years now, probably since about 2018, not long before Chapter 3 came out. Uh, Cooper has only recently gotten into them as of like about a year ago, I'd say. Not even. When I watched the first one, it was Christmas. There you go. Very recent convert to, to the good life, as I would like to call it. I found out about it last year when you were watching it with mum, but you would not let me watch it. Well, mum wouldn't let you watch it. I'm not really bothered. Yes, I almost watched the pencil scene. Ah, yes. Well, we'll get, we might get into that a little later on. But first, it's time for Top of the Shore to you. Top of the Shore to you, lad. And uh, unconventionally, we're going to start with the kind of uh, the biggest favourite that we could possibly talk about in this episode as our Top of the Show because we've now seen John Wick 4. I pose the question to you, Cooper. What is your favourite film in the John Wick franchise? No spoilers, but what is your favourite film? Do I have to go first or can you go first? I can go first if it would make it easier for you. All right, he just looked at me, which, you know, on a podcast doesn't really help things, but sure, I will talk about mine first. So... Uh, I am obviously a fan of all all four of the films. I am I am a, an unabashed fan of this franchise. But if I were going to pick one that is my ultimate favourite... You can only watch that one for life. You cannot watch any of the others. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that that was going to be a factor. Just see, that's the thing. My man- answer would change if that was, if that was the case. Like, so... Say what you were thinking, but then also imagine that you could only watch one for the rest of your life. No, see, that's, but that's the thing. They're different. 
Let's hear it then. Because if I had to go with my favourite John Wick film, which is not necessarily, I think, the... I don't think it's the best John Wick film because I think that John Wick films have grown to... have grown beyond its humble beginnings because I think my favourite is the first film. Personally, I think that it is... It's before it kind of grew to be this... um, you know, bulletproof suits and, you know, crazy massive fight scenes. It was just... It was still bulletproof suits, weren't there? Not in the first one. Wasn't the there bulletproof suits similar get... though? Nope. He had, he had like Kevlar plates on, but the bulletproof suit didn't get introduced until the second film. I think that's so cool, though, and the way he just picks it up and puts it over his head like that. It's so cool, what? but it does take away... Like, the thing with the bulletproof suits is that while they're really cool, it makes him a little less terrifying. And because, you know, in the first film, he has got just bulletproof armor plating, you know, he can Not still... Not even really. It's barely anything. Barely anything for most of the film. And the way that people talk about him, that's really my favourite thing about the first film is how it sets up this world and how it sets up this character. And I just feel like no subsequent film really conveys the the terror that the people in this first film feel towards John Wick. Because you run into all of these characters that, that know him, that know of his reputation. But some of them don't always take him seriously or some of them think that they can circumvent him, Um, which, you know, in certain scenarios makes a lot of sense. But I just find, and and we'll get into it, but one of my favourite parts is just how scared everyone is of John in that first film. Oh, well, they're always scared of him, though. No yeah, matter but I what. Feel like, I feel like it diminishes a bit over the films. Like, by the time you get to four, and without spoiling, there's not a lot of fear towards John Wick. Kilgrave wasn't harmed at all. Who? Kilgrave. Isn't that the Scott Atkinson's character? Killer. Similar. Yeah, so... Who was I, I thinking of Kilgrave? From Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. I've only watched four episodes of that. How do I know that? Dunno. It's a great question. So, I just find that, you know, because Killer and, and the new film is a great example. There's all of these characters that... Are not harmed. Are not scared of I him. I mean, he was just like, it's the bubble, yeah, it's the Bubble Yeager. The Bubble Yeager. Anyway, we'll argue about how Which? that's pronounced for the entire show. Bubba if we Yeager. Could. No, we're not going there. What? We've already had this argument off mic. We're not no, having it I was on just, mic. I was just going to say what Bubba Yeager means. Well, it, it doesn't. Isn't it Russian for boogeyman or something? No. What is it then? Uh, it's a whole long story. The Bubble Yeager is actually a Russian uh, folklore about an old haggard witch who um, has a house, uh, a house built on chicken feet, 
and rides around in a mortar, a magical mortar and pestle instead of flying on a broom. That's not where I saw that going. But they say that it's Russian for boogeyman. Well, I mean, the Baba Yaga was kind of a boogeyman in Russia. So it's not entirely inaccurate, but it's it's not an apt description. Did they just make it because it sounds cool? Yes. Like, it's the Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. Um, they would have probably been more apt calling him like Chernobog or something. Cause okay, I'm glad they called him Baba Yaga. You don't think Chernobog's a cool name? So let's just think about this. It's the Baba Yaga or it's the Chernobog. It doesn't sound as cool. Yeah, because you made it sound less cool. Say it then. That nobody... Is the bubble yeager. No, do no. I'm not going to do that line because you're going to argue with me about it. I no, have no interest I won't. in doing that. That was not nobody. It's the. It is Chernobog. What? I don't know. Anyway, we've gotten so off track. We've got. Well, you drove us off track. I I blame your poor driving ability. Um, I'm the best driver here. No, you're not. So I just find I like, but for Cooper's second part of that question of if you could only watch one for the rest of time, it would be four because four has the most engaging action, which is what I would want to see. Because while I love one, it's my favorite film in the John Wick series. My favorite entry into the John Wick series is four. Because it is the most action-packed and it is the most wall-to-wall action. It's got yeah. so many of my favourite stunt performers in it. It's yeah. it's the it's the be- it's the most John Wick. Yeah, so I just don't think it's the best John Wick. So if you were, if someone came up to you and was like, "Look, I'm thinking of watching one of the John Wick films. Which one do you recommend I watch?" It would depend who it was. Because I don't do blanket recommendations. I recommend very specific films. And there are people who I know who I would recommend, well, don't ask me questions. You have to be so specific. Oh, my God, you're making me tired. Simply put, John Wick 1, best. John Wick uh, 4 is the most. What's the worst John Wick film? Ooh. We'll go into that later. You need to give your best. Best John Wick film? Correct. See, this is hard because I do like one. There is one or... uh, uh, Here. See, I think four has the best overall, you could say, tied with three. Mm -hmm. Because I really like the scene in the Continental in three. Like the whole continental yep. fight with like the guns and that through the continental. Yeah, yep. In yeah, number yep. three. When they turn all the lights off and it's all green. Yeah, I love that with the like shotgun and machine gun and all that. And I love the first 45 minutes of that film because it's just insane. It is. And then four, I think, is just constant action. Mm. And so it kind of one-ups three. Mm-hmm. Two really 
in my head when I think two, I really only think two good action scenes. Mm-hmm. And that's the car chase and the the thing through the Santino estate in Rome yeah. where he hides all the guns. What about the one, the whole one at the end? What do you mean? Where he's running through New York trying to get to Santino. See, I don't like that one as much. Right, but I it's pr- still an action scene. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of that action scene. Right. I prefer the one through Rome. But Okay. And then uh, one, I really like that scene outside the church. You know that one? Yeah, where, yeah. where he attacks Vigo. Well, he's just burned all of Vigo's stuff. Yeah. And Vigo's walking out and then he's there shooting all of his men. Yes. With his machine gun. I would like to point out that Cooper got angry at me for being specific and then proceeded to talk about his feelings on every yeah, single film. Yeah, you but got, you got specific over such a weird thing. You got specific over recommending films. I got specific on, like, telling films. Sure. There's a difference. Okay, so you would rather that if I were going to recommend you a film, I'd recommend you a film that I'd recommend to one of my friends in their late 20s that's a rom-com for them because they love, you know, hearty romantic movies. And I go, you know who I also think would like that? My 14-year-old brother. And I blindly recommend it to you. I'm talking about John Wick films, bruv. (sighs) Children, honestly. Anyway. You're the child here. I'm not the child here. You're literally the child here. Mentally. Mentally's irrelevant. You are literally (laughs) the child here. (laughs) Did you see that deflect? Anyway, keep going. You keep going. It's your part. You haven't actually told us your favourite one yet. You've just told us what you like or don't like about all four. Damn it! Answer the question. Four. Four. There you go. Because, you know, if it was favourite scene, it'd probably... For favourite scene, it'd probably be... We're not at favourite scene yet. Yeah, I know, but it... That's later. It wouldn't be... No, I'm not giving away anything. But it wouldn't be four. It'd be a scene from another one. But overall, I prefer four. Actually, maybe I'll lie. Oh, never mind. <laughs> right. You so put I'm, me on the spot. <laughs> I didn't put you on the spot. We talked about this beforehand. Yes, but still, I can't make up my mind. That's not putting you on the spot. That's you being indecisive. <laughs> Different things. I classify anyway, them as the same thing. That's top of the show. Now, let's talk about the main topic. Weirdest which will be top of the show ever. Well, guess what? You're weird all the time, so... No, I'm not. You're the weird one. You're the weird one. You're the weird one. You're the weird one. Are we one. just going to have this argument for hours? Yes, for the next five minutes. No, we're not. We're not going to... You're the weird one. Ha ha. I've spoken. You're the weird one. Anyway, so we're going to go into the main topic and I'm going to talk incessantly so that Cooper can't even get a word in because he's spoken. not going to be able to talk over me because that's weird not one. how our uh, microphone system works. Ha ha ha. You can't hear him. Ha 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 ha. Anyway. You're the weird one. <laughs> you're a butthead. Um, That's inappropriate. So, it's not inappropriate. It's fine. We don't have sponsors anyway, so who cares? <laughs> so, the John Wick films. We're not going to get them if this is how you're going to be. The John Wick films. 
All four of them have been directed by Chad Stahelski. Oh, I thought the first one had a different one. Well, the first one had a co-director. So the first one. What's was the difference? <laughs> means that co-director is two people directing or multiple people directing together. So the first one was co-directed with David Leach, um, who is known for Bullet Train, which came out last year. He's known for oh, I love that Deadpool 2. Um, he, like Chad Stahelski, is a former stuntman and stunt double. He was Brad Pitt's stunt double. Chad Stahelski was Keanu yeah. Reeves' stunt double in the Matrix films. Is he also, um, was he the director for Nobody as well? No. Or was that Chad Stahelski? Neither. I thought you said it was a John Wick director. No, it was a John Wick writer. Oh, God. So Derek Kolstad, who wrote the first three John Wick movies, wrote Nobody, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but, yeah, so Chad Stahelski was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix, and he was also the double for his friend Brandon Lee in a film called The Crow, which Cooper doesn't know because he's way too young to watch that movie. But uh, the reason I mentioned The Crow is just um, for an interesting fact for Cooper, which is that um, Chad Stahelski stood in for Lee in scenes that needed to be filmed after Lee's tragic onset death because like... What happened? Well, similarly to what Lee happened... Lee who again? Brandon Lee. Okay. Bruce Lee's son. Oh, wait. Bruce Lee's son died? Bruce Lee's son died on set. See, I didn't know this. When he was shot with a prop gun, very similarly to what happened to Helena in um, in Rust, which was an incident that happened... Was that last year or two years ago now? Two years ago now. Wow. No, a year and a half, I think. Yeah. I think it was late 21. Yeah, so um, Brandon Really? Lee, yeah, was shot. S- by, by who? By a, another actor in a scene with him. What happened to that actor, jail? Uh, I don't believe he went to jail because he wasn't held criminally liable. God, when was that? 98. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And they still released that film? They did. They did release that film. And Chad Stahelski, basically like with Paul Walker's brothers and Paul Walker's stunt double in Fast and Furious 7, they used CGI to replicate Brandon Lee's face and to obscure things so that you couldn't tell that it was Chad um, doing the final scenes. That goes into a full another conversation for another episode on whether Paul Walker's Brian character will return for a scene in Fast and Furious. There were so many air quotes when he said that sentence. Um, there was two. Two air quotes. Yeah, but they were continuous, so it felt like one massive air quote that went pretty much the entire length of the sentence. But anyway, we'll talk about that when we get to Fast and Furious. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. And um, when I did a, a gun safety course prior to the incident with um, the incident on Rust, um, the Brandon Lee incident was used as an example of poor... Uh, Poor weapons management on set. So, um, moving on from that, we've got... um, So, Chad Stahelski, um, very accomplished and experienced stuntman, stunt director, uh, stunt coordinator, action director, uh, directed all four films. And then Derek Kolstad was the sole writer on uh, John Wick 1 and John Wick Chapter 2. Then he was uh, a collaborative writer on three. So he wrote the film with a few other um, 
collaborators. And then the studio did not ask him to come back for the fourth film or for Ballerina, which is the upcoming uh, spin-off. I don't really know much about Ballerina, so that's... A None of us do. Eventually we will. When's um, that getting released? Don't know. It doesn't have a release date. The Winston thing? Don't know when the Continental's coming out. But we'll talk about that at the end of the show. So Derek has also worked on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh. He, he wrote a few episodes of that and he watched another... He wrote, sorry... Another film about a veteran killer that Cooper and I watched just the other night to expand his horizons. Nobody. Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. Loved it. It's such a good movie. If you haven't watched, if you if you're a fan of the John Wick movies, go watch Nobody. It's on Netflix in Australia right now until I think fifteenth of April. Yeah, it's a great, great, great film. The guy who plays I, who does he play in Back to the Future? Uh, Christopher Lloyd, who plays Doc Brown in Back to the Future and Fester in Adam's Family. He's so good in that film. He's great. And Rizza's amazing. And um, Connie Nelson. Rizza plays the brother. Oh, the brother. I love the end credit scene or the after credits. That was funny. But we won't talk about that because we're not going to spoil it for our viewers. Spoiler alert! (laughs) So, um, the way that. John Wick came about was that Derek Colstad had been kind of knocking around Hollywood for years and years and years. He'd been in Hollywood since 1998 and he'd been writing for about 10 years before that. And he did not sell his first script until 2012. Oh my God. So that's. And was that the John Wick? script no he sold two scripts before john wick but he spent 14 years writing you know about eight scripts a year before he actually got his big break so how many scripts would he have written then by the time he sold the first one 14 times eight eighty uh do you need a calculator buggy 112 can we ch- fact I think check it's that I math? think it's on average eight a year. So I don't think it was eight every year. But he apparently had written by the time his movies started getting sold, he'd written at least seventy scripts. That sounded like a success because John Wick was definitely a success. Yeah. So. So basically. Uh, he sold. He started selling some scripts in two thousand and twelve, and around that time. He wrote a spec script. Now, in the industry, a spec script is a script that's not commissioned. So sometimes writers are approached by producers and by um, production companies or whoever, and they're asked to write a script to a brief. So they're, you know, given uh, a little log line of this is what the story is and these are the characters that we want to see in the film and this is kind of the structure that you have to follow. A spec script is one that the writer just writes. They're not. There's no guarantee of being paid for it. It's not being financed immediately by anybody. So he wrote this film called Scorn. It featured a character called John Wick, um, but he was older. He was in his 60s or 70s. He was a bit more of a Clint Eastwood type. And John Wick's more 30s or 40s, isn't he? 
Forties, fifties. Fifties. Well, that's how old Keanu is. Really? Yeah. God, he's looking good for his age. Then. I'm pretty sure. Let me, because I I would not want to get his age wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right in thinking. I mean, he's aged well. He like, very much has aged like well. Like Tom Cruise. Especially Tom given Cruise that he's aged well as well. Especially given that he's fifty-eight. I'm sorry, what? Keanu is 58? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. So he's, he's definitely 58. aged well. So, but they wanted him a bit older. And they what they kind of wanted what, from it was, um, basically, they wanted him a bit older and they wanted him out of the world um, of this kind of underworld that they'd created for New York. They wanted him out of it for decades to the point where he's more of a myth to people on the streets than than he is kind of this tangible figure that that people remember. But of course, you know, when you start to get Keanu involved and he's a little younger, he's not been out of the world as long and a lot of people remember him. Which has a similar you know, there's there's benefits to doing that way and there's there's losses, but I think that they you know, they they made quite a good choice, as we'll talk about shortly, for why we think Keanu was perfect for this role. But uh, now, Cooper, in the original script for the film, guess how many people died? Don't look at our notes. Well, I can't even read those notes. There's Great. way too many. I get lost. Uh, knowing John Wick... But this is a squillion. But this is the the earliest draft. How many people do you think died? Two. Eleven. That's a terrible film. It's not a terrible film. Eleven people die in the first minute. Eleven people do probably die in that first scene in the house. But anyway, guess now how oh, many? Oh, more than uh. 12 die in that scene. While we're talking about some death stats. Oh, I know this stat. How many people have died in the first three chapters of John Wick? 300 and something. 302. And probably... What's the film with the highest body count out of the first three? Wouldn't it be three? Incorrect. See that? It's two. See, that genuinely surprises me. Because don't people say that that's the worst fraction? Um, I, I don't think they'd say it's the worst for action. I think they said it's the weakest for action, but you've got to remember all of those people that die in the catacombs. Yeah. See, I love that scene down where he grabs the guns that he's hidden earlier. And yeah. So you've got that scene and you've got him run, like going through all of New York, just killing all of these people. So it's the one with the highest. So 123 people die in chapter two. And on average, Around 100. just under 100 die in the other two films. Do we know how many it'd be in... Uh-oh. <laughs> Do we know how many people will die in four? No. No, we haven't got the stats for that. And unless you were sitting there with a little clicker counting all of the people that died... 
I mean, we're going to see it about five million times this week, so, you know. We probably will see it again, but for now, we don't have those How stats. many times would you go see that film in cinemas? I mean, if I was less busy, I'd go see it a lot more, but it's a nearly three-hour-long movie. I probably will only get to see it once more in cinemas. I mean, I'd watch it multiple times a day, every single day. Yes, but that's because you're that type of person. I mean, I'll watch it a lot when it comes out on streaming. Will you, though? Yeah, probably. I don't think you'll ever watch it when it comes out on streaming. Well, you don't know me, kid. So anyway, so that was the kind of original idea for John Wick was he was a bit older. He was a bit more kind of mythic. Um, And so eventually Derek started shopping this script around and he eventually accepted an offer from... Basil Iwanek, and I apologize, Mr. Iwanek, if I've got your name incorrect, but Basil Iwanek's a producer at Thunder Road Studios, which at the That's time... That's why it says Thunder Road. Yeah. At the time was doing a lot of work with Warner Brothers, but wanted to branch out into more independent cinema. And so he really liked the script he really liked the themes in the script and themes that we'll talk about in a few minutes here. But he made an offer to Colstad and they started development, active development on the script immediately. So they were looking at actors like Clint Eastwood, like Harrison Ford. Oh, Harrison Ford would be kind of cool. Yeah, but I think Harrison Ford had I've already kind of gone out of his action stage of his career. I mean, he's doing Indiana Jones again, Bailey. Yeah, but Indiana Jones, well, and he's doing the Marvel films. So you've Marvel got a point. film? What Marvel film? He's doing the Thunderbolts. I'm sorry, the what? He's playing the Red Hulk. See, I just don't know what Cooper does and doesn't know. Because sometimes I tell him something and he goes, Oh, I, I already knew that. And then sometimes I tell him this in the middle of a podcast recording and he's like, I didn't know that. Okay, that's not what I sound like. That's more. I'm pretty sure this is exactly what you sound like. That's more what you sound like. I don't know what you mean. I don't sound like this at all. You've got a really bad old person accent. How dare you? I was. You know, when I was born, kids showed more respect to their elders. You're just some (laughs) jumped up little lousy kid. What are you, some old cowboy or something? I I don't know about a cowboy, but... Uh, you probably need a cowboy hat for your hair. I done, done some uh, cattle ranching in my time. You definitely a cowboy hat for that hair. How about you? Shut your mouth. No. I would very much like you to do that. Well, too and bad, because we're going to keep going. If you don't... I'll do it for you. Wow, so scary. You're not the Baba Yaga. Anyway. Anyway, so eventually they decided that they wanted someone who was known to audiences, who was seasoned in the kind of Hollywood way, you know, well known, a lot of a lot of kind of action work in their in their past, but a bit younger. And so it was at that point that Keanu's agent was reaching out to people and saying, you know, have you got any scripts that Keanu might be interested in? He's doing a project right now, but he's not got anything lined up after. 
And so they sent him the script and uh, he read it and really liked it and really responded to the themes of loss and loyalty and double lives. And so he came on and was contracted to work on the film. And it was the best thing ever. It was an incredibly fortuitous career move for Keanu in retrospect. Before that, he had done Matrix, Speed. His his kind of initial renaissance that he had in the late 90s, early 2000s was behind him. But what he didn't know at the time was he was heading for a second renaissance. Yeah. And now he's heading... second really yeah because he hasn't dealt like he hasn't gone away from the public zeitgeist yet really no i don't know how this people story. still love keanu reeves obsessively but Duh, they didn't. he's like the best guy in hollywood yeah but they didn't between 2004 and 2013 how because he just wasn't in a lot of stuff well he should have been like, everyone still talked really positively about him, but he just didn't have a lot of buzz because he wasn't doing as many kind of big films. Well, he should have been. He's one of the best actors in Hollywood. Well, I agree. But anyway, now he's doing a lot. So, he really is nowadays. So while the the development team started to go out to directors, Keanu actually sent the script to Chad and Dave... Um, uh, David Leach, um, who eventually made their pitch to direct rather than just doing the stunts on the film because they had this idea for having, you know, his double lives, for having this, you know, really vibrant underworld culture, you know, stuff that was already in Derek's draft, but they wanted to really put it to the forefront and to make all of these little bit player characters really memorable in their short amounts of screen time. So that's kind of how John Wick came to be. And then, I mean, the rest is history and, and the films just became incredibly It will successful. go down in the history books one day. It will. So I mean, the whole franchise. I mean, because we've now got ballerina coming in everything. We do. So it's it's expanding. The themes of the series, Cooper. Now tell me if you would agree with these themes. And tell me how you think these film these themes are manifested in the film. So I've already read these. Well, how good of you to read ahead. Thank you. Now, what's the first one, Bailey? Loss. Now I think this is definitely a theme because obviously the film starting out with him losing his wife and then he also loses his dog, which was the, the final present from his wife. Correct? Correct, Amundo. So he basically lost and then in the second film they blow up his house and everything. So he's lost Everything. I've lost everything. He doesn't say that. Yeah, he wouldn't be that weird to say that. You're weird. You're weird. And your mic is now muted so you can't say anything. Ha ha ha. 
<laughs> I can say things. It's I'm in so much pain. Ah, he shot me again. <laughs> He's shooting me to stop me from talking. No. Ah, I will John Wick fight you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are not witnessing the fight that is currently happening in our studio. No! <laughs> Give me back my microphone. <laughs> you irritating little trouble monkey. So what anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute Cooper for a minute, and he's not going me. to be able to talk. So John Wick is also about uh, revenge. Ah, and, oh I no, can speak. He's got his microphone back. Ah, me. Now he's gone. He shot me. Quickly, audience, let's me. let's talk while he's gone. Ah, no, get off. So this is gonna be a nightmare to edit. <laughs> get off. Fine. Hey, shot me. I just want you to remember you started that. Anyway, next. Revenge. Definitely. You ready, John? Yeah. I'm going to need a gun. Right, so now we're just quoting. Uh, revenge. I mean, it's, it's quite an evident one, you know, it, Pretty much every film in this series is either about him trying to get a new revenge or, um, you know, trying to resettle an old kind yeah, of vengeance. Yeah, because one was the car and the dog. Two, yes, and that was him getting revenge on the Russians. Two was the house. Which was him getting revenge on Santino D'Antonio. Three was him getting revenge on the high table. Uh, kind of, not really. And then what are four? Uh, I mean, four is really where he gets revenge on the high table. Yeah, he kind of does get three, revenge. Three, he's on. not real. Three is the consequence of his vengeance. Yeah. Because that's another big theme is consequences. You know, John Wick is all Rules about consequences. consequences. Rules and consequences, Jonathan. They are the only thing that separates us from the animals. Yeah, I love how Winston didn't kill him and gave him an hour when in the end of two. Because I deemed it so. Yeah. Yeah. So that just shows that Winston's actually a loyal friend. Well, and, and that's this our brings next us theme. on to the next bit. Now look at look at him getting into the Look Look at you with your segues. So proud of you. Okay, you've just made it weird. Anyway. Well, I made it weird. Anyway. You're weird. Now we're going to... my microphone again. I said a nice thing about you and now I'm going <laughs> to kick you in the mouth. Well, I'm trying to... I'm going to kick you in the mouth and then vomit on you and then behead you. <laughs> It's my turn to Don't speak. Don't touch you my microphone. Quiet. Stop it. This is a fun fight. It's a very annoying fight for our <laughs> listeners because it's just loud. And they can't see what's happening. This is why we need a camera. 
Well, eventually. Now, I was muting you because you kept going on and I'm trying to speak. Loyalty and friendship and family. So anyway, Cooper's going on and on. I'm kidding. Just talk. Shut up. Now. You're being rude. (laughs) I will mute you again. Now, as I was saying, what? Nothing. Keep talking. (laughs) As I was saying, I think loyalty and family is a big thing in the John Wick franchise because really the family is... Who's the family, Bailey? Well, I mean... Go. I'm talking. I'm having to look over at you because you're doing the... (laughs) Bloody YMCA to try and get my attention. YMCA. You did it better when you weren't trying to do it. Anyway, <laughs> so family, the the family that he kind of creates is obviously he and his wife as this kind of two-person unit. Then that's taken away from him. Then he creates this new kind of family with Daisy, the little dog that his wife buys for him and has delivered after she's gone. And then um, when Daisy dies, he kind of has to go back to his old family. And his old family is Aurelio, played by John Leguizamo, is Winston, played by Ian McShane, is uh, Sharon, played by Lance Reddick, who for the first two films is only known as the Concierge and then becomes Sharon. Wait, what? We didn't know he was Sharon in the first two? I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure we knew from the start. It might have been in the credits, but he's only referred to as Sharon from uh, from Chapter 3. He broke the hotel rule, Sharon. We had no choice. Um... So, yeah, and I think there's a lot of exploration of what loyalty is and, you know, in in a world like the one that John lives in, you know, it's highlighted in the new film as well with, um, oh, you told me to forget their character names and only remember their real names, so. No, you can say their character names. No, I'm just going to say Hiroki Sanada. No, Hiroyuki Sanada. How do I know it better? My apologies to Hiro Yuki Sanada. Hiro Yuki Sanada. Okay, so how about you take your moral high ground, <laughs> shove it up your butt. <laughs> Can we get on with the show, please? Oh, my God. I was letting the joke <laughs> sink in. I was letting it breathe. It broke for... It broke. That's how much I care. It broke. Did it? It, it broke. I can't believe it broke. It broke. The audacity of this man. <laughs> anyway, Hiroyuki Sanada, him and Donnie Yen, those two have a very interesting relationship with loyalty and friendship, as they were both old friends of John. And while Donnie has this kind of adversarial relationship with Don. With John. Oh, gosh, I'm doing it again. I kept calling him Johnny Wick and then Don Wick the other day. My, my brain hurt. You hate this. Uh, 
You're only having to deal with me. I'm having to deal with you. You're much worse. No, you're much worse. You're much worse. Anyway, what was the last one? Duty. And he muted me in the middle of that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> I'll do it again if you like. This is just the mute wars. We might have to create a full podcast about We're the We're not wars. going to create a full podcast. It sounds like the most boring thing we could do. <laughs> the final themes are duty and debts. I so, don't know anything about this, so. He's muted himself, everybody. And now he's back. <laughs> and now he's gone again. I didn't, I didn't even press the button. I, pre- oh. I pressed your button. Someone give me strength. Anyway, <laughs> so duty and debt. So, you know, a lot of it is about the, the whole kind of reason that we get into John Wick 2, which then leads into 3 and 4, is not just consequences, but it's debt. You know, in John Wick 2, John has this debt to Santino D'Antonio and the consequence of that and his duty because of you know, this debt that he possesses is that he must do some sort of favor for Santino D'Antonio. Then in the third one, when he goes to Halle Berry for help, she owes him a debt. And then it is her obligation and duty to go aid him um, as per his request. And so, you know, I find that that's a bit of an interesting dynamic that you get. Um, Well, we have talked and yelled and screamed at each other far enough. We're going to do a bit of a lightning round, Cooper. And knowing you, you're still (laughs) muted. Cooper's just gone to speak and forgotten that he... (coughs) Let's keep going. (laughs) I despise you. Well, you were being annoying. You are boring everyone. You were being annoying. No, I was just annoying you. You petulant child. (laughs) Okay. Why don't we start? We're going to do a lightning round. Cooper, what's your favourite quote? Oh, of course. It's not going to be a lightning round. It's going to be a slug round. (sighs) (coughs) Only because you're a slug. Jonathan, 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 what have you done? What's your favourite line? It's one of them. I also love when Winston's like, how when... Sharon's like, I hope, do you think, he's like, I get it wrong. Do you think Mr. Wick will escape? And then Winston's like, $14 million bounty and everyone wanting a piece of it. Everyone in the city wanting a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Mm, That's a good line. Yeah, that's a good one. It just shows how... Good John is. Mm. $14 million bounty. Every single person in wanting it. In the city, it. wanting a piece of it. I'd say the odds are about even. And he knows in his head that that's wrong. The odds are in favour of John. Mm. Um, I have two favourite quotes that I'm going to just real quick fire out. Uh, one of them is uh, at the end of the sommelier weapons tasting. He says... "Oh." I love this one. I was just talking about this one earlier today. You've been giving me the hurry up sign and now you've interjected. Now you're giving me the hurry up sign again. (laughs) I will punch you in the mouth. Don't hit the button. The magic button. It makes our room explode. It's like dealing with a toddler. (laughs) The, The quote is, 
and <laughs> Miss and Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. Wow. The other one. <laughs> I'm so being annoying. a toddler now. I know. You're annoying. You were annoying <laughs> before you were pretending to be a toddler. The other quote that I like no! is, stop shouting. I don't, I don't know what's going on this episode. Um, we're talking about John Wick. It's too fun. This is the messiest one we've ever done, but I love it. This is the messiest one we've ever done. So uh, my, my other favorite quote is um, when in chapter two, he's, uh, Sharon's giving the dog back. He goes, he has been a good dog. I have enjoyed his company. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that line delivery. Cooper, what's your favorite scene? Lightning round. Favourite scene. Okay. Favourite scene. I've just muted Bailey. Um, stop it! <laughs> uh, so, favourite scene would probably be... Not including four. Uh, stop muting me. Um, I'm doing it to make it easier. N- you're not making anything <laughs> easier because now you've asked me a question and your finger was still on the button. Hurry up! Um, you're the one slowing us down. It wasn't a five million. Your favorite question. scene cannot be from four. It has to be from uh one, two, or three. Okay. Car chasing number two. At the very start. Or the scene in the Continental at number three. Okay. Oh, the the green fight scene. Well, we're gonna do. Yeah, but we're gonna do favorite fight scene. Sure. Uh, either way, those are two, Cooper's two favorite scenes. My favorite scene is the scene in the first film where Vigo tells his son about John Wick. Um, and he talks about the pencil incident and he talks about, you know, the impossible task. And he says, it is not what you've done that angers me so, son. It's who you did it to. The nobody, that nobody is John Wick. Can I just say, oh my God. You muted yourself that time. Uh, I didn't mute you. Can I just say, we have had to skip all the swearing because it is a John Wick film, so there is swearing in there. We have. We have had to skip all of that. Uh, Cooper, what's your favourite action scene? <sighs> Not recurring bit? No, because I'm cutting that. Why? Cooper, just go. You already know. John Wick 3. Continental fight scene. Continental fight scene. So the fight scene in the green. My favourite would probably be the fight in the knife shop at the start of 3. Oh, is that my favourite? What, where the knife goes into the guy's eye? I mean, that's definitely not my favourite part of that. Do you know? I don't know if that's my favourite. I've actually you know, seen the knife go into the eye. I know, so have I. Um, it's not that no, bad. No, you know what my favourite is? My favourite's actually, I think, Halle Berry and him with the dogs. Are we just picking favourite scenes from three at this point? Three's got some of the best action. Anyway. Sure. Favourite villain. We're both on the same page with this one. Marquis de Chlamo. 
from the fourth film. He is definitely the best villain, closely followed by Vigo, but the Marquis de Gramont no is the best. No one likes Santino D'Antonio. No, no one does like Santino D'Antonio. Sorry to Santino D'Antonio's actor, whose name I can't recall off the top of my head, but um, we I like you, just I not the character you play. Wait, I don't even know anything else that that guy's been in. Neither do I. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Anyway. Uh, favorite ally to John. Uh, I am probably going to say Winston. I really like Winston. I know he's not always an ally to John. He betrayed John in three. But I think that uh, he's one of the most interesting. He didn't really betray John in three, though, did he? He did. I mean, he shot him off a roof. He did that for a reason, though. I know, but he did it for a selfish reason. He didn't do it to protect what, John. What did he do it for? To keep the hotel. And yes, he was also getting John away from the adjudicators who would have definitely confirmed his death. And he, you know, had faith that John would be able to survive. But still, he did shoot him off a roof. Your favourite ally to John? Sharon. Sharon. Sharon's a good one. Very, very amazing performance by Lance Reddick, who we did did speak about last week. Uh, favorite weapon, including four. Yes, because I know what you're going to say. Automated shotgun. Semi-automated. Semi-automated. You mean the shotgun with the incendiary rounds? Semi-automated shotgun. That's what it is. I'm just going to say my favorite weapon scene is the scene where the sommelier shows him all the weapons because um, that's honestly my favorite weapon moment in the John Wick series. Um, Peter Serafinowicz is just spectacular in that scene. Well, Cooper, that's the end of the episode. We did just want to shout out, you know, and I think we might have briefly mentioned it at the top of the episode, but we really just wanted to highlight, you know, the reason that we feel so inspired to talk at such length about this series and the reason that we care so much about this series is because of the dedication of the people making it to, you know, authenticity. You know, this film, the first film and, and subsequent films could have been made um, outside of New York. You know, the first film was made in New York even though it was incredibly expensive to do so and they didn't really have the money for it. It was made in New York for the authenticity of the feel. And it was, you know, so many of these actors, whether it be, um, you know, Halle Berry, uh, Adriana Palicki, or, of course, Keanu Reeves doing all of this spectacular training to get in, you know, the, the mindset and to have the skills to do these massive scenes of Who's the second person you just said? Adrian Palicki, we talked about her earlier. She played Miss Perkins. Oh, yeah. So I, um, we just want to say that, you know, if you haven't watched the John Wick series, I mean, why have you watched through this entire episode if you haven't watched it? It's a curious choice. But, I mean, I appreciate we appreciate it. Yeah, maybe this will inspire them to go watch it. But we hope If you have listened to the end of this episode, you are what we call... A real one. Is that what we call them? I've never heard you call them that once. But I mean, it's true. I just came up with it. Right. How inspiring of you. <coughs> Sorry, I'm dying. Right. Well, could you die with your mic on mute this time, considering you've been muting so frequently? 
Well, lovely listeners, that's going to be another episode for us. It's been uh, a accent. You're not. Yeah, it's out your of it. accent. Oh, what? Yeah, I did it last week. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Recall. Cut. Didn't I? Yeah, I did the Darren Lockyer one last week. So it means you've got to do it oh, this you week. You did toenails one. Yeah. Uh, what toenails? Oh, one? sorry. Nail metal nails. I don't know. You're a strange person. But you and said been... that it sounds like he's gargling nails. I know, but you've just articulated in a weird way. I don't and know. I can only apologize to the audience for how They're... weird this episode has been. <laughs> it's been weird. And and Who we am know I what's doing? Been Hurry weird. out. Uh I want you to do Winston. He's collapsed to the ground. We've already done Winston on this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Then do John Wick. No. Because he's a do regular. Keanu Reeves. No, I'd rather do Winston because he's. Oh my gosh. Keanu then just, just do Winston up. already. Fine. Annoying. <laughs> Stop talking. Or I will moot. I'm moot. not talking. I'm just miles away from my. Ah! <laughs> I'm loving this episode. (sighs) Jonathan, Jonathan, what have you done? Thank you, audience, for listening to this episode. Please go to the Speak Away Brother Instagram. Stop unmuting your microphone. I'm talking like Winston right now. Please I'm going to need a gun. Um, please follow the podcast and we will see you next time, Jonathan. Goodbye. And Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. Bye. Bye. podcast over it's movie time got my popcorn got my chock top wait you're all still here but i forgot the shout out segment again didn't i already Ugh. let's get this over with thank you so much for listening to today's show come back next week for another episode in the meantime why not listen to some of our older episodes even if you've heard them before I'm sure you'll still enjoy them. Like, follow and leave a review on your favourite podcast app and follow us on Instagram at speakawaybruvpodcast. Until then, I've got a movie to watch, so talk at you soon.